Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure on your behalf to introduce today's special guests and the intense conversation they are about to have on the state of the country's beloved sport, hockey. Gary Bettman is the sixth man to hold the position of National Hockey League Commissioner since 1917. And he's made a few changes since he took over the helm in 1993. More hockey cities, teams, Dallas, Phoenix, Nashville come to mind. Record revenues and soaring attendance keeps fans asking for more. And the commission has scored in this regard. There are innovative fan engagement initiatives, like the wildly popular Bridgestone NHL Winter Classic. This year's game, featuring the Red Wings and the Maple Leafs, saw record sales of over 150,000. If hockey fan, fans thought that weren't enough games for them to experience virtually, Commissioner Bettman had a play for that too. The NHL's new multi-million dollar broadcast and multimedia rights agreement with Rogers Communications will change the way Canadians view and experience professional hockey for at least the next 12 years. Then there is the new face of Hockey Night in Canada, George Strombolopoulos, or Strombo as he's affectionately known. Beginning next month, the renowned and respected television and radio personality will anchor Hockey Night in Canada. Today, however, the self-proclaimed Habs fan dare I say I'm a Senators fan <laughs> but today George uh, anchors an intimate conversation with NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman gentlemen welcome to the Canadian Club of Toronto our podium Canada's podium of record is now yours Thank you. Thanks so much. Which side would you like? This side here. Is that cool for you? I didn't know you were a right winger. <laughs> <laughs> That's Thanks. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. How's everybody doing so far? Yeah. You all right? Hey, George. Hello, Commissioner. Enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You're you, leading television personality. You could interview anybody. Yep. You cut through all genres. Mm -hmm. What made you make this change? I thought it would be fun. <laughs> I, I thought, I, listen, I, this is the show that I've been watching uh, without reservation my entire life. And when I was thinking about changing my job, I didn't know what to do. This, I didn't think was even a remote possibility. But this is the only show in Canada that you grow up needing to be a part of. Jeff Merrick was over here. We sat 20 years ago. In a, in a room at the Fan 590, and we made a bet with each other to see who would get on Hockey Night in Canada first. Like, this was the dream. This is what it was always about. And Scott Moore, being a Habs fan, I knew that that would help. And uh, away yeah. we go. <laughs> Let, let's not ignore Grapes, who's here as well. Well, Grapes well. is, listen. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, want, I wanted you to get used to throwing it to Grapes. Don't you, don't you, no, that, that's not my job. I'm going to be fine. Um, no, I talked to Grapes about this job as well. I just thought it would be a lot of fun. Like, I love this sport, as you know, and uh, I love this 
I love the way it's broadcast, so why not be a part of it? We're thrilled to have you, well, and we're you. lucky to have you, so Thank welcome you. aboard. Thank you. It's going to be a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Okay, oh, your turn. How are you feeling? Are, are you excited? There's a lot going I, on. You know, it's, it's chilly out. Yeah. Uh, I believe today's the first day of fall. Yeah. Camps are open. How great a time of year is this? You know, the, after I present the cup, I literally, depression would be a strong word, but like, it's what do I do with myself at night? Right. No games. It's like, I can't wait for the fall. And to get started again, we're coming off our best season in the history. We're almost 100 years old, uh, and we think this year is going to be even better. Has it changed the way you react to the beginning of a season? When you first took over 20-plus years ago, has that changed? Well, it, it's changed in the sense that we're doing more than ever before. Uh, when, when I started this job, uh, if you knew what the Internet was, you were probably an engineering student somewhere, and you weren't using it. Uh, all of the digital platforms, even the development of specialty cable TV. The fact is, there are more and more ways for fans to connect with the game, to access the game, and so we're doing more and more things. And that's just on the media front, uh, putting on events. We put on more events than ever before. Uh, we create more content. The players are so tremendously accessible so people can get to know them better. There's, there's just more and more and more because we're bigger and bigger and bigger, but that's a testament first to the game and more importantly, I suppose, to having the best fans in all of sports. You know, there's a lot of people here who lead businesses. How, if you're not schooled like an engineering student, how do you make sure you stay ahead of it or just ahead of all the advancements? Well, it's a great question. The The first instance, for better or for worse, I'm a lawyer by training. So I have this compulsive nature to learn and be thorough and understand things uh, to the nth degree. Uh, and you've got to do that. But if, if you're in the position of a CEO, and that's really what I am, you have to articulate a vision as to what you want to accomplish with your business or your industry, uh, and you have to demonstrate leadership. In my case, I've got to do it not just on behalf of the game and for our fans, but I also have to do it on behalf of the 30 people I work for who own the clubs. 33 if you count Toronto, I suppose. 33? Or 32. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, you, are you having us expanding in this room? <laughs> no, I'm just talking about the multiple owners of one oh, franchise. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> That's what I was they about. only get one hey, vote, we will but yes. We will talk about expansion. Oh, do you want to okay. talk about it now or later? Do you care? Well, I didn't. I stumbled into it, but we can come <laughs> back to it. <laughs> um, just, I'm asking this question. It's partly joking, but it's mostly serious. How thankful are Wh you? Which part? Well, you'll find, that's <laughs> well, I'll wait until I hear the question. How thankful are you that you are not currently the commissioner of the National Football League? Actually, I'm thankful, but for reasons that are less obvious. Yeah. Uh, I love our game. Uh, I love everybody associated with our game, the passion of our fans. I believe we have the best players in all of sport, both in terms of the skill, uh, that they demonstrate night in and night out, their commitment, their passion, their hard work, their teamwork, uh, and they're great off the ice as well. So I'm proud. It's an honor for me to be associated with the game. So I'm happy to do what I do in hockey without regard to anything that's going on anywhere else. And There's know, no place else I'd rather be. And I know that you would never comment on another sport because they wouldn't on your sport. No, never. But you're one of a few people who can kind of understand what the role, the true role of a commissioner is and, and dealing with some heavy stuff. Well, I've, I, I can relate to uh, 
being the subject of media scrutiny, yeah. if that's what you're asking. No. Um, the media uh, is only... You, we no, only no. scrutinize <laughs> what you give you know, us. You know what? The, 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 the fact of the matter is when, when... And it's no different than a CEO of, of any major business, except ours is a little bit different. One is we're under constant scrutiny every night. That's not by way of complaint. That's a function of the fact that we're playing 1,230 games in the regular season and another 90, give or take, in the playoffs. So we're out there every night, and people are interested in what we're doing because that's our product, if you will. Uh, when, when you're in the, this position, you don't have the luxury of an off night. If something happens, you have to deal with it, and you've got to do the best you can to get it right. It's not an excuse, and nobody's going to care if you were out to dinner and had too much to drink, if you didn't get a good night's sleep because you were up with the kids the night before, if you're distracted because you just had an argument with a family member. You've got to, whenever that phone rings, and sometimes it does at 2 in the morning, you've got to respond and you've got to have your A game. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're liable to make a mistake. And when you make a mistake in this position, it gets magnified. And it doesn't matter if you're right 99 out of 100 times, which is a pretty good batting record. Uh, it's that one that you'll you know, have to live with and deal with. It seems like the NHL. I mean, just you deal with things before they become a problem in a weird way. Now, you, like, you have enough issues that every sport does with ownership or whatever but, and, and markets. But do you have an active plan to ensure that the players conduct themselves in a way the owners do, a league does? Well, we, we, I don't think anybody who's in the league, either as an owner, an executive, or a player, has any illusions as to what's expected of them. Um, our code of conduct is we expect you to do the right things. And if we don't we hold you accountable, but more important than that is I believe you need to be proactive. So, for example, uh, on issues of substance abuse, uh, we have been counseling and educating players for over 20 years. On issues of domestic violence, uh, our security department and our behavioral health counselors, as well as the rookie orientation program, uh, have been doing that with the players for more than a decade. Uh, on the issue of concussions, to pick another topic, we were the first sports league to begin studying and putting together a working group with the players and the, the medical community in 1997. So, you know, I think we have an obligation as a sport to try to do the right things. Sports can be a great uh, vehicle for so positive social change, whether or not it's inclusiveness or diversity or AIDS or you name it. And so I've always believed that we need to be in front of these things, and sometimes you need to punish, but more importantly, it's better to educate and counsel. How do you make sure that you, you put the sport in a position to grow? Diversity is a really good part of it, because you know, in some parts of the states, Hockey participation is up, yeah. and other parts is down. How do you mitigate in Canada as well? How do you figure that out? Well, we, we want to make sure that the, we lower the barriers of entry as much as we can. Hockey has perhaps higher barriers of entry 
uh, as a practical matter, number of rings, and as an economic matter, because it's expensive. And we do a lot in terms of investing time and money to create programs, as do the teams, to do as much as possible at the grassroots level. And, and we're actually in the process of working on, it was recently announced, uh, a school program that, that teaches uh, science and technology uh, and the like to children using hockey as the basis. Uh, hockey is great for young people, and great as a sport, but to me it's also important that hockey be used for life lessons, uh, hard work, teamwork, diligence, making sure you get good grades in school. So it's a balancing act. It's trying to give back as much to the community as you can. So I suppose it's specific to the Rogers deal, but when you look at the way people start watching television, the way yeah. people use media, and so you're getting ready to do another broadcast deal. Are you taking all, I'm sure you're taking that all into account, but how do you make your decision of where you want this to go as a digital experience? Well, actually, one of the things we're really excited about, uh, about the Rogers deal, uh, and people say, oh, yeah, the money. It's not about the money. It's, it, it, it's the people we're going to be dealing with, whether it's Guy Lawrence, uh, although he wasn't there for the deal, but Keith Pelley and Scott Moore, and all the talent that they've assembled, including you. This was an opportunity to take something that has been an incredible, fabulous institution, Hockey Night in Canada, over 60 years old, and take what made it strong and great and bring it to the next level using all of the platforms that technology now gives us and may give us in the future. This will create a hockey experience if you're a fan unlike what you've ever seen in terms of how complete the coverage is and how accessible the game is. Multiple games at the same time on Saturday night for Hockey Night. Uh, hometown hockey on Sunday nights where Rogers is going to go out to communities to make people feel a part of the game, even if it's not being played there that night. Uh, this was a way for us to take something particularly in Canada, that we know is as close to religion as you can do, something that's vitally important to the country, something that's fun, exciting, entertaining, brings people together, and take it to places it's never been. Uh, and that's something we believed Rogers could do with us, and that's why we made the deal. How, how different is it dealing with the Canadian part? Because you're one of the commissioners that has to deal with a sport that's got strong footing in two countries. So That's a plus. Yeah, but are, is it... Is it being the commissioner essentially of two two leagues? No, I mean I know I know in some places it gets portrayed that way. We have 30 clubs. Uh, some of our strongest clubs are in Canada, uh, two of the original six. But while we have clubs that may be 20 years old roughly, and clubs that are over 100 years old, the fact is we are all one. And you know, to me. I got asked this question before the Stanley Cup final in L.A. when I did my pre-final press conference. They said, well, isn't it great to have L.A. and New York? And I said, it's more important what takes place on the ice than where you happen to be playing. And the game on the ice has never been more exciting, more entertaining, more competitive. What, what we have in competitive balance now is unprecedented in our history and maybe for any sport. You do hear fans and talk about how important it is in TV. Big markets help. Big markets help in the ratings, but, but it's more important that no matter what team you root for, you feel 
at this time of year, yeah. boy, my team's got a shot at the playoffs. And what we've seen the last few years, once you make the playoffs, anything can happen. There's a sense of empowerment to a fan. You know, it's an emotional connection we have. It's a sense of empowerment if you believe your team has a shot at winning it all, winning the most prized story trophy in all of sports, the hardest to win. And that's what we think the game has now. You're seeing comebacks, you know, and if you go back to what was called the dead puck era, the last, the last Stanley Cup final uh, before we went out for a year, Tampa played Calgary, and whatever team scored the first goal in that seven-game series, game was over, won the game. You're not seeing that now. We had, in these last playoffs, seven series, I think, went seven games, six series, went six games, something close to that. We saw multiple comebacks, multi-goal comebacks. Uh, we've seen unpredictable things happen. That, to me, is what's a sport's supposed to give its fans. Okay, so we, franchises that are 20 years old, franchises that are 100 years old, yeah. um, how excited are you about a franchise being one day old? I'm trying to give you that, an that, expansion that, question. That, that's a really <laughs> obtuse way to uh, Oh, but not so obtuse that you didn't know what I was talking well, about. I know exactly what you were talking about. Uh, the fact is, we, we, this is the most stable our franchises have ever been, the healthiest we've been as a league, but we're not looking to expand right now. No teams are relocating. Uh, you know, I happened to take my two days on vacation this summer and see this article that came out of the West Coast saying we were in expansion mode and we were going to sell four teams. And, okay, so that disrupted one of the two days, having to issue denials. The thing that offended me most about the article is it underpriced the franchises way too much. Uh, I'm not suggesting that at some point in the future we might not look at it, but we're not ready to do it now. And I don't want to build up anybody's expectations because that's not fair to people in a community that want to have a franchise. And the good news is there are lots of communities that would like to have a franchise. Do you think the league as a business needs more franchises to grow? And no, I think, I think our growth has been pretty phenomenal with what we have. Our footprint is at a place that, that is stronger and better than it's ever been. Uh, you know, obviously what most people say to me is, well, you have 16 teams in the East and 14 in the West. What's wrong with you? Can't you count? And I say, yes, I can count, but I also can tell time. And we finally have all 16 teams in the Eastern time zone in the right place. But you don't expand just to fulfill somebody's notion of symmetry. Mm -hmm. It's a very important business decision to make, and you do it for the right reasons at the right time. Is it the right time? Are you strong enough in all your other places? Are you ready to, to take on more players uh, and more franchises in places where you haven't been? And that's something we're feeling good about where we are. We're feeling good about the future, but I'm not sure at this point that's something we need right now. The, um, so many people have opinions on what you do. do no. you, how many people do you think know what a commissioner does? Uh, I don't know. I think there are a lot of people who think they know what a commissioner does. Like, what does a commissioner do? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <I, I, laughs> <laughs> Let me get back. No, um, <laughs> You're like, let's it, go back it, to expansion. <laughs> it, you're like a CEO. Uh, in, first and foremost, I've always viewed it that the biggest responsibility I have and that we as a league have is for the game. 
the game has to be healthy, the game has to be entertaining, the game has to be compelling, people are going to want to connect to it. If the game isn't healthy, then nothing else matters. Now, once you've got the, and, and that's something we evaluate and reevaluate and self-evaluate on a constant basis. It's why we have situation room in Toronto, we have another room for player safety in New York, and we're constantly watching the games, critiquing the officials, and making sure we understand the trends of the game. So the game has to be good, and obviously it has to have its integrity. People have to believe, as they should, that games are being won and lost on the merits. Beyond that, we're like a major media company. Uh, compare us to Disney. We have theme parks. They happen to be our arenas. We have uh, uh, media platforms, whether or not it's the NHL network, whether or not it's our media partners like Rogers or NBC in the States. Uh, we do licensing. We do sponsorship. Uh, we put on events. And so we are a major entertainment company, but that isn't as important as what takes place on the ice. And it's my responsibility to run this venture on behalf of the people I report to, uh, on behalf of the clubs, on behalf of our fans, and to coordinate the approach that we take moving the game forward and interacting with all the various constituencies that we have. When do you feel like you hit your stride as a commissioner? Because you came in new, you hadn't done this before. The league hadn't even had an official commissioner right, until you showed up. The, the, the others were presidents, right? Yeah. I was the first commissioner. That was part of a modernization project. I, you know, I, I don't know when I hit my stride. I don't know if I've hit my stride. I mean, I leave that to others to judge, and, and that's something that the 30 governors who I work for, I suppose, judge on a daily basis. I like what I do. Uh, I'm not, you're never comfortable in this position because as we see in sports, things can just fall out of the sky and you have to either anticipate them and if you don't, you have to react appropriately. Uh, but I love what I do and the game is growing and the game, both from a business standpoint and more importantly on the ice, has never been healthier. So if that's some measure of my stride, then we're moving at a pretty good pace, but I'm never satisfied I'm always looking ahead as to what we can do next, not looking back to see what we may have done. What do you anticipate is the next big move for the league? Well, we, we've got a lot of opportunities to continue to grow the game. Uh, international is something that seems to be getting a lot of attention. I know there's great speculation and anticipation about bringing back a World Cup, what are we going to do about the World Championships and the Olympics, and those are things that we do jointly with the Players Association, and those issues are things that we're currently discussing. Um, my hope and my expectation is in the not-too-distant future, we're in position to announce that, yes, we're going to do a World Cup, and this is how we're going to do it. Uh, and we, as a sport, I think have, of all the North American sports, have the deepest, longest tradition of international competition. Our players love playing for their countries. Uh, and, and this is something that's important, that we have the most diverse player population of all the major sports in North America. And frankly, if in addition to everything else, it continues to encourage the development of world-class hockey players in places outside of Canada and the U.S., that's a good thing. Right. Do you, do you look at Europe as a real... I keep hearing talk about a European division. I don't, I don't yeah. see how logistically uh, that could work. I, I'm, I'm not there yet. Yeah. It's not something 
that we're focused on. I've spent too much of the last 22 years, not too much, but all my efforts have been focused on growing the game where it's most important to us in Canada and in the United States, and in both countries the game's never been healthier. Uh, you know, the arena situation is different in Europe, travel's an issue. Uh, doing events, uh, maybe some regular season games, that makes more sense to me than actually wholesale franchises on the continent, particularly because hockey in the countries where we're most important has professional leagues already, and I'm not sure they're just sitting back waiting for us to come in and take over. Right. So if you had, these are the opportunities for the league to grow and you see potential. Do you anticipate challenges? What's a big challenge for, for sports? I think the, the challenge for sports is making sure that in this tech-driven uh, era where immediacy engaging young people uh, whose attention spans, interestingly enough, are waning on some sports, I think we fit within the sweet spot of something that keeps you engaged and excited, even if you're going to your smartphone every minute and a half. Uh, having multi-screen experiences, providing more content, more information, more data than ever before will continue to grow the game. I'll see a microphone there. We questions. If you want to ask some, tell the commissioner this is your chance. You did this without any notes. Yeah. You, you know, you're very good at oh, that. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. <laughs> it's easy to talk about hockey. <laughs> With you. Uh, the questions from the audience, anything you want to ask for the commissioner? So let me do this. Everybody's always hesitant to ask the first question because they're embarrassed. So if you ask the first question, I will say that was a great question. <laughs> You'll feel relieved, and then other people will ask questions. We got one over there. While we're getting the microphone to that, we oh, got somebody? Uh, that's going to be a great question, I yeah. can tell. <laughs> when you have player uh, game interruptions, why don't you guys just play the games, put the money in escrow, and figure out the splits after the fact? Labor deals? So when yeah, the, you know, it, it, it's interesting. If you, if you didn't hear the question, the idea yeah, is... Yeah, the question is, why don't we just put the money in escrow and then work it out? Uh, I wish labor relations were that simple. The, 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 the pull and tug. The, so the two points I want to make is I'm walking down Front Street the other day and some guy walks up to me and says, I really don't like you. <laughs> and I said, but you don't know me. <laughs> and he says, yeah, but I don't like work stoppages. And I go, well, neither do I. So we have that in common. <laughs> The fact of the matter is, when unlike what's going on in other sports work stoppages, we've always had a clear definition of what we needed. And what we needed and asked for at the beginning was always what we got at the end. We never took more. And the game was unhealthy. The, com the, the competitiveness wasn't there. I'm going to go back and explain this in one second. But we did what we had to do to not have six, eight, or ten years of a mess. And so we go through these things not because we want to, but because we have to get to a place where the game can be healthy. Because you can get through collective bargaining and you can drop the puck and go off, but if it's not working because you don't have the right system, what have you accomplished? Now, if the union doesn't want to agree, or the union wants to fight over it, or the players want to fight, then you have to deal with it to get to the right place. 
we've unfortunately had an era of very unstable labor relations with the union going back predating me, whether or not it was Eagleson to Goodenow. Um, and then after Bob left, after the year off, I think we had four or five interim or real executive directors. The good news is, while we had to go through a feeling out period with the new executive director, Don Fear, the fact is we've gotten through that. And I think the union's probably stronger now than it's ever been. And I think that's a good thing because a strong union can help you make decisions that have to be made for the greater good. A weak union can't tell its members, here are the changes we need. So the point I want to make is if you think back at the game 12 years ago, before we had the current system, we had teams with 80 and $90 million payrolls, and we had teams with $20 million payrolls. And I would talk to the managers and the coaches of the $20 million teams, and i go, how are you doing this? And they would say to me, to a man, we clutch, we grab, we hook, we hold, and we do everything possible to neutralize skill for 50 minutes, and then we try and steal the game. And that is why the game as it was being played in the late 90s and early 2000s wasn't nearly as good as it is today. The reason the game on the ice is so strong, taking for granted, as I described this, our incredibly gifted athletes, is the fact that every team can be competitive and afford to be competitive. And that's why you see the competitive balance that we have, and that's why the game is as entertaining as it is. Long-winded answer, but that was a great question. <laughs> we got a question over here? So, yeah, this gets easy. This one's going to be pretty good. I don't that's know if good. it's going to be great. It'll just be okay. okay. Um, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> okay. uh, as you were talking about expansion, you said that, uh, not now, uh, but perhaps later, if you were to contemplate expansion, would you consider uh, another Canadian market team more favorably than perhaps another U.S. market team? You know, that, that is a good question. Not great, but good. Um, <laughs> The, the fact of the matter is, I know people think I have this list tucked away in a vault with cities lined up. We don't. At such point in time where we say, you know what, things are good. Things are where we want them to be. We're growing nicely. No franchises have any issues. We're getting expressions of interest from these four, six, eight places, which we are now. Okay, let's have a formal expansion process. It's at that point we'll study each opportunity and we'll look at who the potential owner is. We'll look at the market. We'll look at the arena. We'll look at the overall balance of the league. And that, this is an important business decision if you're going to expand. It, it's, it's a, in addition to being one involving a lot of money, it's a fundamentally important decision if you're going to do that. And we haven't gone anywhere near the effort that I could try to answer your question uh, because we just haven't done the work involved, which I guess is an indication to all of you that we haven't been in a formal expansion process. What are your thoughts philosophically? Oh, you on, get to ask a question well, again? I to, thought you were done. Building on that, <laughs> what are your philosophical thoughts on a market with two teams? You know, it, it's, a, it's a great question and it's a tough question because where you see markets with two teams or three teams, you know, the first team can do pretty well, and the second team, not as much, even if it has on-ice success. 
and the third team about the same. Uh, it's you know if 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 just a hypothetical, so nobody gets too excited about what I'm going to say in two respects. If we decided that we were putting a second team in Ontario, and the year the team was supposed to start, the Leafs won the cup, that second team That's a mega wouldn't. Would, <laughs> but you're going to do just great on hockey night. <laughs> uh, but but the point is, the second team wouldn't exist. Right. Okay. And and that's part of the dynamic because the attention gets diluted either two ways or three ways. And when you have historically established teams with great histories and traditions, uh, the second team, even if the first team isn't having tremendous success at the time, second team will never quite get the premier coverage. Everybody over here, question? Yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm just wondering what the NHL is or can be doing to keep NHL hockey family friendly and affordable. Uh, all of our clubs uh, run programs uh, in the community that have grassroots hockey. Um, most of our clubs have ticket packages and ticket prices that are more and more affordable. Although what's interesting about that is, you know, we play in the regular season to about 95% of capacity, and the secondary ticket market is, is vibrant, for lack of a better term, which means that on some level our clubs could be undercharging because the tickets go back into the market and they get charged. Our clubs are very sensitive to it. They, they do it by playing afternoon games, discounting packages, groups and the like, and they put on clinics in the community where kids can get more and more involved. Uh, it's harder and harder. The other thing we can do that's in person is by making the game more accessible in ways that Rogers is going to be doing it. Your ability to connect, uh, watching on traditional TV, watching on your phone or your laptop, having more and more content. Your ability to find what you want, when you want it, how you want it, what device, will be taken to new heights with the Rogers deal. And for, for kids of all ages, uh, that can only be a great thing if you're a hockey fan. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you. Gary Bettman. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. It's uh, a tr a truly a great day for the Canadian club to host such uh, important hockey personalities to talk about hockey. And I can't think of a better event that we've uh, hosted previously. And the commissioner touched on a few, I think, very key sentiments as I get the pleasure to thank both him and George for being with us here this afternoon. He touched on sentiments such as emotion, life lessons, and religion, and what this game means to us. And there's a great quote that captures it for me that I think sits in many of our hearts. And this is Stephen Leacock. He says, Hockey captures the essence of the Canadian experience in the new world, in a land so inescapably and inhospitably cold. Hockey is the chance of life, an aff affirmation that despite the deathly chill of winter, we are alive. And it's true that this game will continue to live in the hands of the commissioner, uh, Mr. Gary Bettman, 
and in the hands of George Strombolopoulos, who today, as the commissioner said, Canada loves and will love even more, even though he is a Habs fan, we know he will come to love the rest of the league. And as we have seen with the commissioner's steady hand, the, grow, the league has grown almost tenfold in revenues and is now 30 teams. And all I can say is after hearing the discussion today on behalf of the Canadian club, and I think everyone here, we are certain that while this game has had such a great history, its best days truly lie ahead. Thank you very much and have a great afternoon. Danny, did you mention you're an Oilers fan? We're, we're trying to spread it out here. I'd like to uh, echo Danny's message and thank uh, Commissioner Bettman and George uh, for joining us here today. It truly was an interesting conversation and uh, look forward to the new season of Hockey Night in Canada and the NHL. And our sincere thanks to our sponsors again, uh, EY, Scotiabank and Air Canada for making this event possible. And thanks Scott Moore for coming. Scott pointed out his father and grandfather preceded me as presidents of the Canadian Club. So what an honor to have you here today as, as uh, in that capacity and in your current capacity at Rogers. Uh, before I adjourn today's meeting, I'd like to draw your attention to our event surveys that are on each of your tables. The Canadian Club is always looking for ways to improve your experience here, so please take a few minutes to help us out by sharing your thoughts and comments, including whether you liked our renewed, shortened luncheon format today. We very much appreciate your feedback. This concludes our program. Please visit our website uh, tomorrow to download a webcast or podcast of today's event. And again, to learn more about our club, you can visit us at www.canadianclub.org. Thank you again for joining us. Our meeting today is now adjourned.